0: Hello, I'm Joan. I'm a Canadian family physician who also works as a restorative medical educator, facilitator, and coach. I create spaces that rehumanize the work of healthcare. I'm creating this podcast to remind myself, as well as anyone else working in a helping profession, that when you are working and caring for your human patients, you are the other human in the room. Thank you so much for coming back for another episode of The Other Human in the Room. Um, If you're watching the video of this, you'll notice I am in the same outfit that I was in last week. (laughs) And that's because I'm recording them back to back. I just did the personal episode. I dried my tears, got a snack, calmed down and regulated myself. And then I do still have time to do the next one. So I am going to continue my series on, my year-ish in review. Um, Basically, I've been recording this podcast for approximately a year, and I wanted to share some things that I've learned for myself and also for anyone who cares to hear some of the things I've learned this year in different domains in my life. So the last week's episode was about my personal life and some small to big things that happened there. I'm including a major illness of my husband thankfully he's better. Um, And so this week I wanted to talk about the clinical part of things. Um, Like I said at the end of last week's episode, which I just recorded, you know, 10 minutes ago, um, it's all personal, right? So everything that happened to me in my personal life, um, all of it, and particularly when my husband was diagnosed with cancer and everything that that then shifts and impacts what happens in the rest of my life because it is all actually my personal life me just living my personal human life in all the places including when i'm a doctor when i'm at home being a caregiver like wherever i am right so um uh it's all intertwined uh, but having said that i i think the way that i've approached being a family physician and my clinical work. Um, and also some of my the other thing I've included in this part is my teaching work, because that was work I was doing before this past year started. You know, the last one I'm going to record for next week is about this new coaching and restorative medical education venture I've been on and my thoughts about that. Um, but this one I wanted, you know, so the main work I've been doing, the main way I make income, right, I wanted to talk about some things I've been doing there and sort of changing and how me rehumanizing myself in the clinical workspace has changed how I experience my work and, and, and truly has changed the work itself in my opinion. So um, yeah, I've got like maybe five or six different points I want to talk through. The first one is just like how much more I love my patients. This one I wanna say, maybe people will roll their eyes or maybe it'll be hard, to, it's not accessible to you to think about loving your patients. So you think that sounds like intense or I don't have boundaries, but I think it's important to talk about how I love my patients actually. Like, so I do it in a boundaried way. That's how I'm able to love my patients on a deeper level. And, and with, more, with more of my humanity, I'm able to love them. And the first step of that was getting real clear and real boundaryed about what was mine and what was theirs, which has been, I think, a lot of the lessons that I've learned about my clinical work have populated all of the episodes before. So I'm not going to get into all the perfectionism and people-pleasing and, like, all the ways it's shown up because that's, like, listen to all the other episodes. And I, every time I've learned, like, a new nugget, I, like, thought, oh, that's a great podcast and I've recorded it, you know. Um, but the overall thing that that is, brought into my life is like so much more enjoyment and love of my patients. Because like each of my patients is an incredible human being. And I don't know if you've noticed this about human beings, but we are so cool and so weird and so messy and so everything all at the same time. We are dangerous. We are violent. We are Problematic. We um, can be so vicious with each other, and incredibly, shockingly kind with each other in 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 ways you never knew. And like, our none of us fit any of the narratives that are presented to us. Period. We are always weirder than that. I like the word weird in a in a good way. Like, I'm weird. You're weird. All my patients are weird. All the humans I've ever met are weird. Like, because we we're weird in that we're not fitting some arbitrary oppressive norm. We all have funky, fabulous edges to us that could never fit in a box, you know? And that's the thing I've loved the most. So even patients I used to be so exhausted by, it's not like I never feel any, any countertransference. I, I for sure still feel it all the time. It's not like I never have certain patients where I'm like, oh man, I'm the way I say it now. And I'll often even just say it ahead of time. Like, I do a huddle with the nurse who's going to help me like, you know, room my patients and help me care for my patients who are coming in for their appointments. And there'll be some, so where I'm like, ah, I'm still working through my feelings with this person, but that's how I feel about it. Even that. So I'm not like that person's bad or I'm bad for not liking them. I'm just like, we're just still figuring this, this relationship out. And even just the notion of like really thinking of, these individual relationships i have with each of these patients some of which are extremely cursory and infrequent and some of whom i see you know every other week you know and so it's just so it's such a like fascinating thing and i enjoy it so much more than i ever have because of all the work i've done to get rid of those inhuman stories that used to block it and the thing I've always known is true, that's like, that got me into family medicine is that I love hearing and participating in people's stories and seeing them like go on a journey. I I don't know what it's like for specialists where you like see them for a minute and then maybe never see them again, you know? But for me, like if I have a weird encounter with someone, I gotta know that I've gotta see them again, almost unless something happens where they leave me or I fire them, but that's pretty rare, right? So instead it's like, You get another chance and you get another chance and you don't have to have it all solved in one visit. That's so impossible. You know, and so like everything that that's brought me, I've always known I love witnessing people's stories. And now I just get to enjoy that more because the other stories in the room, like I've got to be perfect. I can't make mistakes. I have to know all the answers. Like all those things are so much quieter. They still pop up and I'm like, oh, there it goes. There's that little story again, you know, but like there's so much quieter and what's left is like two humans in a room just trying to figure it out, you know, and that's how I feel like medicine is for me now. It's like two humans in a room trying to figure it out. Um, I really love language that I got from one of my coaching certifications of holding space for my patients. And so I feel like that's the main thing I do that is absolutely therapeutic both for me and for them, which is like holding space to let them be them and witness them and witness their desires and their needs and everything they wish for themselves, all their fears about their body is a common one, right, makes sense. Like, And everything they have in their lives and just be this like non-judgmental, curious, compassionate witness to their life. And just knowing from the training I've done and the things I've read that that is therapeutic in and of itself. I used to, you know, we have this narrative and I hear it all the time from other people. Like sometimes I just don't even think I did anything in that room. All I did was listen. And we like put down that, but it's like, it is the most essential thing we can do for each other is to listen well. And we're not that trained on how to do it well, are we? You know, because we're supposed to be listening for the, the solution to the problem, right? And just listening is so freeing. And it's not like I'm listening for an hour at a time. Like it'll be like, you know, two minutes of them just sharing what's they're there for today, but like listening without judgment and listening with compassion and listening and saying, "Ugh, that sounds hard, you know, and like, but in a way where I'm not drawn in and enmeshed, but I'm over here having my human experience and they're over there. And that is how I hold space for them just the whole notion of that idea and getting language through some of the training I've done to know that's what I'm doing has made it so much more rich and helpful. And like, I I know what I'm doing when I'm doing that now, you know, and yeah, like witnessing their desires, even when I can't meet them and yeah, feeling the friction of that, but not blaming anyone about that. They want me to order the test. I don't order it or they want me to have an answer to their problem. I do not have an answer to their problem. Not yet and maybe not ever, but like, and yet still like those conversations can still be so rich and rewarding even when they're not satisfied. It's not like I'm like, not like they're all happy with me all the time for sure, but I can still bear witness to their unhappiness with me and see them in their humanity. And it's so freeing. I would say freeing is a great word. And it's it's left me so much space. And like, so I would say that's my new, that's my biggest lesson of this past year is like um, medicine is is remarkable and worth it. Not Not even if you don't have all the answers, but because we don't have all the answers. That's what makes it actually worth it because that's what's real. And like getting realer and realer with how I'm showing up with my patients And my messy self, including my conditioning that still certainly rears its head all the time. So I still say yes to things and I'm like, dang, I kind of wish I hadn't. Or I say no to things and I'm like, why didn't I say yes? Like, nothing's perfect about this whole situation. But that I know that that's what we're just trying to do is like figure it out together. It's just so rich and nourishing to me. And I really love it. And um, even days where I'm kind of like, ugh. Like there's still nuggets in there that I love it and moments of connection that delight me. And so that's like, so that's my biggest update about my patient clinical work is my patients are rad. And like when you show up like that, they also become, you see them open up and not in ways where now they take more of your time, which I think we're all afraid of. But like so many of my patients that I thought would, you know, maybe I need to keep saying quite frequently forever, like I'm good people who, you know, you, you see lots of people in their lives and the medical things that perceive them as being helpless and needing a lot of help, but you treat them as if they don't need a lot of help. You just treat them as if they know how to help themselves and they start to, and it's like, that's magic too. And um, things where you, you've given up hope, you don't know their timeline. No one knows each other's timeline of how this will all unfold. And it's just the best to not know that. It really is. I know it's like, oh, uncertainty is so hard. And I get that. I still feel that. But like in terms of how we know how our patients will heal, if you will, that language is odd, but you know, find their way through the world. People are finding their way through this world and it is just a beautiful thing. And it is inspiring to me, that's for sure. So that's like my update about my relationship with my patients and it's good <laughs> i learn things from them all the time um i wish i could say more specifics but obviously that would be revealing confidentiality and i never ever would but like the stories that i have witnessed to are incredible and i hope they find a way to tell their story on their own if they ever want to but like man people are amazing um so other things i wanted to share in terms of like kind of the process of providing clinical medicine. You know, I've talked a lot in this past year and I have my whole like course about restoring your time and like time management stuff. It's my, it was actually my pathway into the whole coaching world was like through a charting efficiency course, charting champions, Dr. Sparrow, Sarah Smith. Um, And I want to just, I have and continue to want to innovate around how I can offer care in a way that's not demanding more of my time. Because especially when you start to think, like, what if my patients are capable human beings? What if they would like a variety of ways to access me in different methods? It really opens things up, you know? So something I've been doing for a long time is I have a patient portal. I have a way that they can contact me. And I think a lot of people think I could never because they're already overwhelmed with their current inbox and their current demands. And I also don't think it's for everyone, but for me, it is the best because There are so many things you can deal with through like, just like brief exchanges asynchronously that don't need a whole appointment. And there aren't enough appointments. Just like objectively, there aren't enough appointments. I know what's sustainable for me and offering more of my time would actually not be good for anyone. And so I know where my hard line is. And yet, so like the supply is fixed in terms of appointments I can offer patients, but the demand varies wildly right? And the asynchronous communication by having a way that they can ask me questions now, especially that I have the boundaries. So I can be like, this one you need to see in person. This one's a no. You know, someone sending me like a long thing that's sort of mental health and me knowing I don't have to fix it. But like, honestly, I'm just like, thank you so much for sharing it. Is there anything I can do to support you? And they usually say no. They just want someone to listen. And having this other way where it's asynchronous, where I can read it on my time, I can have my like inbox time where I do it. I set it up a long time ago, but especially now, like through the pandemic, it was super helpful. And now it's so—it's just again so helpful. Just another avenue for people to stay connected to me, and I never want to turn it off. That's for sure. Um, other things like online booking, you know, just like other ways to empower patients to access healthcare in different ways. Using my team more, like family health team, all those pieces, you know. Um, those are. I, that's just like a constant question I'm thinking of. Like, how can I make myself. How can I offer more care to my patients without offering more of my physical bodily time, you know? And it's something I wanna continue to expand on as well. Um, Another thing I really wanna do in the future is groups. And I've been talking about it for a few years, but I can sense, I wanna wait till I can really see clearly how to do it well and about what topic specifically. I think it'll need to touch on illness, anxiety. It might end up being something embodiment related but I don't wanna rush into it. I want it to feel like it's landed in its time. And I, I, I trust myself to know when that's gonna be the time for it to land. But um, that's what I mean. Like, tr- like cause then that's like me with several of them and maybe offering them the kind of care that means that they won't necessarily need me for other kinds of care. Cause I've helped them get to know to their bodies and feelings more so they won't be coming with expectations that a medicine will fix it. Like I'm starting to think even beyond the more traditional way of offering care and i'm really excited to see what might come next other things i've um experimented with in that realm is like town halls so i've um hosted a couple town halls for my patients where they can just like come on zoom and it's like the webinar format so no one can see each other so i'm not breaking confidentiality of who my patients are but like i've given them announcements about you know, last fall when the emergency rooms were overflowing and there was all those respiratory viruses. So I gave them some like education about that and other ways that they could access me um, let them know about the patient portal because a bunch of people didn't know. Like. Um, and then another one I told them where I announced my new hours that I had shifted because of my husband's illness in that second town hall. I didn't say my husband's diagnosed with cancer, but I was like, my, I did say like my husband's been diagnosed with a serious illness and it means that I'm going to need to shorten some of my hours, but here's how you will still be taken care of. And the thing that was so, it was funny. There was one comment on that town hall where they're like, whoa, these hours seem so limited. Which I felt the defensiveness of because I was trying so hard to sell them. it was a good news story, but I mean, listen, you can sell all you want, but people are going to buy or not buy right? and um, the irony is the hours were literally the same, but it 's all, all about your perception if something 's limited or not, you know, and that it 's fair that the person was noticing my hours were my personal hours were shortening, and so then it was the nurse practitioners who were picking up the rest, you know. And so I could have made that the story of like, oh, now my patients are mad at me or they're ungrateful or la la la. But that's like one person's one point in time story anyway. Since then I've had so many patients like either who watch the town hall or some of them I've just seen them often enough and they're like, are you okay? I definitely, notice when I wanted to say I'm good, like in terms of boundaries, like I'm always interested in really flexible boundaries and still being human. So there were certain patients where I actually shared my husband's diagnosed with cancer and others I shared, there's some, you know, some personal stuff happening, but I'm here for you. You know, and you, I could get a sense of, I was, well, I was get a sense and I would experiment with what seemed to serve them best because the notion is they were not there to caretake me. I'm trying actually not to caretake them, but hold space for them. But the goal is like, I'm there with, I'm there to hold space for them. They're not there to hold space for me. Um, And I felt good about how much I I let certain people know, you know? And the thing that was beautiful to receive was like patients just being, just certain ones being like, hey, you don't have to talk about this, but I just want you to know I'm praying for you, or you're, I'm thinking of you, I'm so sorry what you're going through, you know, because they'd watch the town hall or whatever, and just feeling like, so touched by that. Like, just like, I probably will get tearful again, just like, so it was just like, so beautiful to receive. Like, um, this term I've heard, which is a beautiful term, which is what we what we can do if we get out of the our own ways, is open up channels for bi-directional healing. And I think if we get to a point where we want our patients to serve us and our healing, something has gone awry, awry because like we are the ones first of all, power dynamics, right? But also like, we are there in service of them. I'm at my job doing this job of serving them, right? Like that's like my job. But also, especially if we have it set up in a way that is so mutually respectful of each other's humanity, bidirectional healing will happen naturally. And it's not something i need but it's beautiful when it comes my way and the amount that people have held space for me without me knowing where they're just thinking about me and when they share that with me and i can receive their care for me it's just like incredibly touching and that's another piece of being in love with patients for sure and i and so by being selectively and thoughtfully Vulnerable or human, and sharing that I am human, it helps them to know how to treat me like a human, you know. And so it's to be done with care and thought, but it's it's possible, and it's been really rewarding. I will say that for sure. And the latest thing, um, I guess, I released the episode before this one, so you already know I'm using the scribe my robot friend that's helping me in in my appointments. So I don't have to type in appointments anymore. Instead, I'm using this AI scribe program. So it listens to my conversations and then turns them into notes. And people, you know, different colleagues would be like, oh, is it worth the cost? Or how much time is it helping you save? And like for me, because I was already efficient with charting, I don't know that it's saving me a lot of charting time. But the the purity of not having to type I still look at my computer, I still take some notes, but to not need to like, I want to get everything down. I don't need that anymore because a robot's getting it down for me. Thank you, robot. (laughs) It just has been such a delight, I have to say. And I want to just keep thinking that way of like, how can I set up my space, set up my schedule, set up my workflow in a way that just allows this channel of like human to human connection and body to body connection, just like be more prioritized cuz that is the thing we are doing here people this is the healthcare you know like let's make that a number 1 and everything else should be in service of it or it's got to go you know and really orienting my work to that has been so wonderful um another piece of that is trusting my team and really appreciating them so much so obviously the two NPs that I've hired to support me and my well support me and support my patients every week and that trust in them and having that just feedback dividends of seeing them care for my patients and noticing parts of my whatever you could say, ego or leftover ownership when it flutters up of like, oh, you know, they did a job they did a better job than I would have done or and you know, like that noticing those, like noticing some of my imposter syndrome rise up of like, oh no, they're gonna be looking at my notes and what will they think of me, you know? But even that being like really good, like when I hired them and I noticed all my kind of insecurities rise up, like that's so good. Cause I know how it works now. Like the insecurities rise up. You know what they are. You know they're not real stories. You know they're the leftover in human stories. You get coaching support about them. You do your own self coaching and self reflection on them. And then they let you go once they're heard, then they let you go. And then you have more confidence in yourself. Like, it's so good. And so I was so glad to put myself into this new, slightly more vulnerable space of having this like intimate team that's really there for my patients and really like acting on my behalf in a more, it feels more direct than the other ways they have. It's it's arbitrary in my head, but I am paying them directly. And We have team meetings about once a week, like by Zoom, where the three of us like connect and we talk about patients or we talk about process, if they have questions, like especially at the beginning, it was super helpful of like, do you want us to do this or that? And I'd be like, oh, could you do it this way? And then we'd like try it out and just like staying in connection with each other. Because that piece, like we're almost never with one of the two of them, I'm never there at the same time as her because she's there on a day I'm not there. But like, I still feel really connected with her because we're still meeting on a regular basis. So there's some of that, like part of it is thinking of who you may need to help support your patients. Because one of the things that I really got very clear on through Francis's illness is like, I need to be more replaceable. There needs to be redundancies in the system and the system isn't really giving us those redundancies or certainly not to the extent we need it so i'm willing to invest in that myself because i know it's worth it and um even how can we that investment like pay itself back you know whether it's financially with billings that's not so clear but certainly emotionally and so then it gives me space to make money in other ways like say the stuff i do for this podcast right so like there, are, there is always a way it could be worth it if you're kind of thinking about it in a way that serves you, you know. Um, and then beyond that, so like, you know, my nursing staff and admin staff that I've had for a long time, really taking the time to make sure I'm appreciating them, making sure I'm, I'm thinking of how I can be supportive to them, as well as really receiving so much beautiful support from them and care from them, especially over this time with um, Francis' illness and like feeling how much just like really appreciating the culture of care we have set up in our office. Nothing's perfect, of course, but like these real humans that I go to work with every day and like how much affection I have for all of them and I think especially over this past year really prioritizing remembering that because it's very easy to get into the mindset of like noticing what isn't working or noticing what's awkward or noticing what's frustrating about situations and then blaming that on people. I witness that in those I have worked with in the past and present and it just totally changes your experience of like, I know I have a different work experience than some of my colleagues and we go to the same office and it's in part because of the stories we tell ourselves about our office. I'll just sort of leave it at that, you know, and that's just really interesting to know. Like it, it's not to gaslight yourself if you're like, wow, I work with really toxic people. Like there might be people that really have harmful edges that you need to back away from if they are not kind to you, you know, But also if if you find your way to take care of yourself and know yourself well and know what you need, and then you can look at the story of these human beings that you work with and decide, how do I wanna show up for them? And does that change my experience of being in relationship with them to something that feels better to me? Usually there's a way, there really usually is a way. And a lot of it I would say is understanding who people are and what they can offer. And if we have an expectation, they will be otherwise adjusting our expectations maybe for that person and finding others to do that work or finding a way to support that person to meet our expectations. But it's not that that person's flawed. That's been my favorite way to reframe. So say you have like staff that work for you or even other people and you're trying to give them feedback or tell them to do something differently in their work. Reframing it always as how can I support them if, first of all, making it clear, do they know the work they're supposed to be doing? So clarifying communication. They may not be aware you want them to do that for you. Have you asked them to do that task or do you are you just hoping they'll read your mind, right? Like there's so much of that going on. So if it's like, hey, I would please make sure you take a blood pressure every visitor, that's a random example, right? So don't be like, why didn't they think to do it? It's like, well, if they didn't think to do it, let's ask them to do it. And let's ask them to do it until they do it. But say you've asked them lots and lots of times and they really won't. So then it's like, what does this person need? What does their mind and their body need in order to support them to remember to do this? Is it, let's check with them. Let's coach them a bit. Is it that they're very insecure to do it? Is that they are too distracted because they are asked to do five things at the same time and there's someone who needs to do one thing at a time, which is a human being, right? So like, how can I support them in their environment and in their thinking about themselves so that they feel empowered to do the task? It changes it. So you're never like threatening people, you know? So that's been something... I have been feel like I've been learning for the last few years, but especially this past year, just approaching every relationship in my life like this coaching type relationship where like, I'm over here, you're over there, I will hold space for you, I will support you in a way that doesn't drain me, but I will believe that you are good inside, just like the parenting thing I said last time, you're a good person having a hard time, how can I support you with that? And that will allow you to have the capacity to To do what I'm hoping you can do for me, or we'll learn that we're a bad match and we gotta go. You know, like, but that having that approach is so much more generative and supportive for both of us than feeling like I have to be an authoritarian. And that I feel like I've seen played out in a few situations, and um, in actually different workplaces I've been in. And um, I feel really good about how I've shown up to those situations. And I think I've seen how they really have paid off having that kind of approach versus the Breathing down the throat, micromanaging, authoritarian approach that I've seen modeled um, to me in past situations, you know. Um, So that's another lesson in there is like trusting the team and showing up in a way in that mutually supportive way. Um, yeah. Oh, (laughs) one of the lessons I have here is like, yeah. Again, like I said last time about receiving more care and help because you know, with my personal life having more demands. There's been times where I've had to ask for more coverage or help or last minute, you know, support for last minute clinic cancellations, for example. And so something um, I think I've said before, but I'll say again, like instead of feeling guilty and apologizing for them to have to do more, instead, I feel gratitude and thank them for doing that for me. So they're not having to take care of my guilty apology feelings. They They know that I appreciate that they're doing something extra for me. It feels better for me. It feels better for them. It's gold. I will say it 50 million times. Now when I see the emergency room reports coming in, instead of being like, oh no, they think I'm a terrible doctor, like it might automatically still come up, but also I'm like, thank you emergency room team. Thank you for doing that part of the workup. Now I don't have to do that. Thank you, person on call who saw three of my patients. Thank you for being on call for my patients. I'm happy to be on call for yours. Now Now my life is full of gratitude instead of full of guilt and resentment. It's just so much better, guys. I don't know how to say it enough. It is so much better, you know. Um, And then the other piece around colleagues, especially like I'm in an office with five other docs and um, um, most of them, well, they've all been in practice for longer than I have. Um, And I think especially at the beginning, I had a lot of like needing to make up for that and being like the new kid. Um, Also, I just have um, the framework. Like if you put me on a group project, I'm going to be that girl on the group project that tries to take over the whole project in a nice passive aggressive way. But I will be like, "Do you want me to just do all of this for you and then you just get to sign your name. People are like, sure. <laughs> and I think I had a little bit of that energy for a while with my practice. Um, not completely and it's never one story, right? But like this past year, especially because I really had limits on what I was willing to, to do, we've had some sort of big projects in the background, things we've been working on as a clinic, and I've, I've had to specifically say I do not. Have capacity to do this can someone else do this or reach out and be like hey this one colleague i think you're better suited for this could you take this over please and that felt so weird for me and was so so good and so instead of just thinking and how can i support you as a secondary person and and being responsive to them and knowing that that's actually me still being a leader and still like by supporting them to do their leadership work like we can be all co-leading this whole thing it has been very freeing and has helped me feel closer and more connected with my colleagues versus there were honestly were times in the past and it's not because of them, but for me, me taking on so much and being like, I'm doing this all for my colleagues and they don't even notice, but it was just like a story in my head, you know, and this feels a lot better. (laughs) So strongly recommend that approach to any kind of group environments you might be in it's it's a process to get there and it's sort of undoing the stories that you that you think you have to be in control and really be getting clear about what you are absolutely not in control of anyway and that's just been really rich learning there an overarching phrase that i relied on a lot from adrienne marie brown of emergent strategy fame emergent strategy one of my favorite books for sure that i've discovered this past year um one of the phrases in that book is move at the speed of trust. And that, I mean, that has been such an ethos for me, ethos, that has been such a intention setter for me with patients moving at the speed of trust. How much do I trust myself and them to do this versus that, you know, moving at the speed of trust with my staff, with my colleagues. It's not like I have to be Bearing my soul to everyone and hoping they catch the pieces, like I can mostly act like my people-pleasing self with this one person who really triggers me and then just trust myself a little more to say a little no next time. You know, it's okay. There's time to let things unfold. You haven't failed the exam. There are no exams. We can move at the speed of trust to figuring out how to trust yourself more and through trusting yourself more, trust others more. And that's the secret, I don't know if I've said that enough on here, but if you wanna trust others, it starts by trusting yourself to be okay even if they are not on board, you know? That's how you make a good relationship is through a good relationship with yourself. So I would say that's what I've wanted to share that I've learned about my team and my like clinic environment. Um, a new thing that I did this year that I've never done before was Having my first learner with me in my in a clinical rotation, I've never done that before. I always had too much. I guess it was like imposter syndrome esque, like, but imposter syndrome, which underneath was just like uncertainty of something new and unfamiliar. Like, of course, I would be an imposter. I've never done that before, <laughs> you know. And um, thankfully, had a really fabulous first learner. Though you wonder, maybe they'd all be fabulous if you view them as such, right? But this one, just like recognizing her strengths and and her capabilities and what she was already good at. And that talk about moving at the speed of trust. Like at first I had her follow me around and thought I had to teach her a bunch, like kind of the old ways I'd seen it modeled and realized that was just devastating in terms of it totally decimated all my carefully curated scheduling time management hacks. <laughs> I had so many charts open at the end of that first day. I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? But then I just sort of thought like, okay, so how do I serve my brain first? Because my brain is now not only taking care of this patient, but also is here to support this learner. So my brain's got to work right first. So how do I still set up my schedule to support my brain? And then what is what can I offer and, and, and actually I did a lot of I literally would talk this way to this, the medical student of like I know my brain's going to need this so I do need to finish my chart, charting notes by the end so like what has worked for you in the past what can you see working for you do you want to see patients on your own what do you want to do and then she said what she was comfortable with and we went with that and it was so good <laughs> she was more comfortable seeing people until the end of the physical and then coming out and waiting for me while I went and saw someone else so we stayed more on time I also like put more blocks in and realized I needed more time and so the future. try make sure I like left blocks and timed because it's just an extra human to negotiate your space with will take more time. It just will, right? So that was such, that was like, it was kind of like a little, it was it's a little exam. I know I just said that life is not an exam, but this was like a test of everything I had learned to that point about taking care of myself, staying human, everything I'd learned about teaching and sort of trauma-informed human brain teaching, and like, could I weave it all together? And I feel really good at my first attempt of how it went down, and got good feedback that it was helpful to her. Um, Really not putting any pressure on myself to teach anything that I wasn't, that I didn't know, (laughs) and not teach in a style, you know, where I'm trying to do like a fancy lecture, Um, but more like, here's what I know about this, and doing a lot of teaching about see how this person's human motivations are like this, which is why I didn't really bother talking a lot about that, right? Like making sure I also really wove in the kind of coaching, um, remember how humans are humans and how we speak to them matters and really teaching most about that. which she did reflect back to me, she appreciated. Um, yeah, and like that the best way I could teach is by being real, irreverent and honest with them. So really like, um, sharing with them when I was frustrated with a patient, like being honest about my counter-transference, holding space for hers, like all of that, I think I really loved it. So I'm definitely going to continue to do that in a thoughtful way. Um, yeah, and so that was something new that I learned that I could do this year by opening myself up to it. It could have been like the learning French thing where I learned I didn't want to put in the work to keep doing it. It could have been that if you from last week's episode, right? But I opened myself up to the possibility that I could do it, and then I learned I could do it, and I wanted to keep getting better at it. And it's something I want to do in the future. That's how you like learn if you like new things, guys. Like, <laughs> you you open yourself up to them. You see, you give it your best try. You give it's a solid experiment, and then at the end you reflect and decide if you want to continue that experiment or not. So this case, unlike the learning French case, I want to keep in my life for sure. Um. Yeah, so I think that's it. I think that's the end of. I'm looking at my little list I have written down here. Yeah, um, that's what I wanted to say about what it's been like for me as a human in healthcare. What it's been like for me and what I've learned over this past year, um, which is that patients are awesome. Um, supply will always be less than demand, honestly, until they figure out how to you know, pay more doctors and clinicians to do more. So you just do your best with what you have, you know, I guess that's my final summary thing I want to say. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm curious if any of this has sparked your attention. If or What have you been doing differently this past year, maybe through listening to this podcast or from other stuff you've done? I would love to hear from you. So if you ever want to reach out to me, I'm on Instagram at jonechanmd. No. There's no dot com on Instagram. It's just at Joan ChanMD. Or you can reach out through my contact form, joanchanmd.com. Um, if you're interested in some of my restorative time, time management principles, I have a course you can take and you can share what you're doing with me in that course, and I will help you iterate. So I would love to see you there. And uh, yeah, I think that's the main things I wanted to share and say. So I hope everyone does have a good week. I hope you're doing some of this reflection stuff along with me. And I would love to hear if you want to share any of the reflections of what you've learned and have done different. Um, In particular, if it's in relationship to stuff you've learned from me in my podcast, because that's the stuff I would love to get feedback, what really resonates and what doesn't. But also if you've learned something brand new that I've never talked about on the podcast, can you share it with me so that maybe I can put it on the podcast? I would love it. So whatever's making your life feel more human, better, more sustainable, more generative for you in healthcare, please let me know. I would love to know. Um, and yes, no matter what, I'll talk to you next week. And so next week I'm going to talk, this is my last of the series of Year in Review, and I'm going to be talking about how it's been going opening up a bonus gig I'm calling it bonus gig instead of side gig. So, you know, alongside of everything I've been doing, I want to kind of give you behind the scenes of how it's been starting a new business, if you will, which has been, you know, this podcast and teaching and workshops and coaching in this new space I've created for myself and for you. So, uh, hope to see you next week to hear more about that and have a great week. I would love to take this work deeper with you. Visit joanchanmd.com today and discover my growing menu of options for restorative medical education to suit your learning needs. I offer one-on-one coaching, customized workshops, and self-study courses that allow you to connect not only with my work on a deeper level, but also with other healthcare humans just like you. So if you want to start humanizing your work and healthcare to a deeper level and do it in community with others, please visit joanchanmd.com and find those options and what fits you and your life today.